Our scripture this morning is found in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, and Acts 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he's risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And then Acts 1, verses 1 through 3. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Our Father, again we bow before you as your priests this morning, scattered throughout Fayette County and the Mid-South, but together in spirit. Oh, Father, we yearn for the day when we will be together again in this sanctuary. But today, you hear us. And you are with us just as if we were in this sanctuary. We're bound together. Those separated geographically were bound together by your spirit. Our Father, we bow as always as your priests, praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ here at Christ Presbyterian. We pray this morning for Billy Griggs. We pray that you would give him strength for these days, strengthen him physically, strengthen him spiritually. We pray for Tony Hunt. Father, we thank you for the improvement, and we thank you that there haven't been further complications. We pray that he'll continue to tolerate these treatments, and that you will bring a complete healing. We pray for Peggy Bauer, that you will continue to relieve her pain. Our Father, we pray that you would bring soon the day when she can have surgery that will bring a permanent relief. We pray for Rachel Creekmore this morning. As this due date approaches, we pray that both 
this child and Rachel will be delivered safely, well and healthy. Father, we pray for Tyler Kenyon's grandmother this morning, for Juanita Burge. We thank you for the improvement that's come since she had this stroke. We pray that you would bless her. Give her strength. Give her strength of body, but Father, more. Give her strength of soul. Give her strength of heart. Our Father, teach us all at any age. Teach us to look forward with anticipation. To look forward knowing that Jesus has prepared a place for us. Take away our anxiety. Take away our fears. Now we pray as we open your word that you would teach us we know that John Sartell cannot teach so that it will make any difference in our lives. So once more again this morning, we bow before you and ask that you would teach us. We're your children. Oh, Father, teach us as a father teaches his children. And that's our plea to you this morning. Teach us, Father. Teach us. Open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. Give us hearts that yearn for you, for your son. Give us minds that understand. That's our prayer for the glory of Christ. Amen. Have you learned to see the invisible Christ? This Easter season, in my reading and studies, I have focused on the 40 days of Jesus' ministry after the resurrection. In typical gospel studies, this period is, is treated like a, a PS at the end of a letter, a postscript. Post meaning after, script meaning writing. A post-writing PS. I'll be out of town next week. P.S. George says to tell you hello. The ministry of Jesus after the resurrection was far more than a quick postscript. Now, it's true. There's not a lot of material devoted to those 40 days of post-resurrection ministry. But when one sees the weight of of those days, the weight of those writings, the weight of that record, one is forced to conclude that it is a crucial period in his ministry. What was he doing? What was his purpose? We are told in the passages and the scenes immediately after the resurrection. For instance, with the men on the Emmaus Road, as Jesus appears to them and speaks to them, what did he say? In Luke 24, 7, we read, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now remember, later that day, he appeared to the disciples in what was probably the upper room. What did Jesus say and do in this 
first time with the disciples together. We read it in Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand these scriptures. He had taught them for three years prior to the crucifixion, but they had not understood. They had not taken him seriously when he spoke of, of dying and rising from the dead. They thought he would be this great warrior Messiah that would throw off yoke of Rome and free Israel from their oppression. Now, he was re-explaining his death and resurrection. He had spoken of his death and resurrection previously, but they didn't get it. He revisited the prophets of the Old Testament. He revisited the law and taught his disciples once more how they spoke of his death and resurrection. This is not hard to understand. Sometimes we will look at a problem and a situation and we see the events of what is happening, but we just don't understand. We don't understand why it's happening. We can see the details of a problem or a situation, but we don't understand really completely what is taking place or why it's taking place. When that happens, what do we say? I know what I say. I know the facts. I can see it. I just can't connect the dots. Well, that's exactly when the disciples ran up against the crucifixion of Jesus. It just was not in their frame of reference. When they ran up against that, they could tell you the facts of his ministry. They could tell you what he said but they had not connected the dots. Jesus came from the tomb, and what did he immediately do? He spoke to the disciples about his death and resurrection and how all along it had been a part of Scripture in the prophets, in the law. This is, there's a summary for us. We read it a few minutes ago from Acts chapter 1 in verse 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now there's two emphases in that verse. There's two emphases in his appearance. He appeared to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. That was one. And then he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. They had thought his kingdom would be a kingdom like the Roman Empire, a kingdom like David's old Israel was a, a wonderful kingdom. He had stopped, he, he had talked nonstop about the kingdom for three years, but they didn't get it. Now he was preaching the kingdom of God, and they were beginning to connect the dots. But he also, what was the first emphasis? He appeared to them and gave them many convincing proofs for 40 days. How did this happen during those 40 days? He did not travel with them constantly as he had before the cross. He seems in these scenes, in these passages, he seems to, to drop in and out of their lives. They would be 
walking along the road, two disciples on their way to Emmaus, and suddenly he would be there. They would be in an upper room talking and, and eating dinner, and suddenly he would be there. They would be fishing in Galilee early in the morning, and he would meet them for breakfast as they came ashore. Sometimes he came and taught a large group of disciples, sometimes just one or two. What was he doing? Why did he not stay with them constantly during that 40-day period as he had previously? The answer is obvious. He was leaving. They had been accustomed to his constant physical presence. They had to learn to live without that physical presence, but they had to learn that he was still with them, that he was still close by. They had to learn to see and to know an invisible Christ. His appearances seemed to deliver four messages to them. First, he said, I have really risen. Look for me. Look at Matthew 28, verses 5 through 7. I love these verses. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. I love this. Jesus had vacated Joseph's tomb, but he left behind a messenger, a powerful messenger with a powerful message. See, how did he end his quote? See, I have told you. I have told you what he commanded me to say. Now, what happened? The disciples thought these ladies were crazy. They had lost their minds. So Jesus appeared to them. Then Thomas thought when he appeared to the ten other disciples, and he, Thomas was not there, when they told him they'd he thought they had lost their minds. Then Jesus appeared to Thomas with the disciples. Then Jesus appeared to Peter. Then he met them in Galilee. He fought a huge crowd of 500, Paul tells us. Then he met with them back in Jerusalem. Why all these appearances? So that they would be convinced that he had absolutely, they had to be absolutely convinced that he had risen from the dead. All of these men would be tortured, harshly tortured for their faith. All of these disciples, but John would be all the, the original uh, 11 after, after Judas betrayed him. Of the 11 remaining, only John was not martyred, but he was tortured. If they would suffer like that, they had to be convinced. That's why Paul said there, in, in, or Luke said in Acts 1-3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave them convincing proof that he was alive. If they were going to expect him to be there with them, even though he was not physically present, 
they had to be convinced he had risen. They would not expect, they would not look unless they knew, unless they knew he was risen. Do you know why many of us don't see him? Why do you think that? Why don't we think he's at, why don't we see that he's at work in the world around us? It may be because we really don't think, we're really not convinced he is risen. Maybe we really don't think he is alive. In our Christian lives, are we just remembering Jesus or are we experiencing the reality of a risen and reigning Jesus? Not one of his disciples went to the tomb that morning expecting to see him. Why had the women gone to the tomb? They went with the anointing spices of burial. They were going to announce, they were going to anoint a corpse. The disciples of Jesus, in some in, in one way, they were the same as Pilate, the same as Caiaphas. None of them were looking for Jesus to rise to, to, to rise. <laughs> I wonder what would have happened. Think about it. What would have happened if Caiaphas had listened to the soldiers guarding the tomb? Those soldiers, we read in Matthew right there, they saw the angel descend. Look at, look at Matthew 28, 2-4 again. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. The guards were there. They saw the angel descend. They saw the angel roll back the stone. This was an armed Roman guard. This angel must have been a, a fearsome sight. What would have happened if Pilate and Caiaphas had gone looking for Jesus? had listened to the guard. What was the angel's first command that had come from Jesus? This was a command. Go to Galilee. You will find him there. Jesus was saying, I've risen. You look for me. Why do we, why do we go to church on Sunday morning? Why are we meeting this morning in our homes? We can't be in this sanctuary, but we gather in our homes for the same purpose. We say it every Sunday morning here. We have come to meet with Jesus, not just to think about him, not just to remember him, not just to study his word, but to meet with him. We have that wonderful promise where two or three gather in my name. I will be there. Go look for me. That's what Jesus is saying. As a Christian, have you not seen or heard him for some time? Do you feel a distance? Go look for him. Go look for him among his people. Go look for him in his word. Go look for him in prayer. Go look for him in his creation. 
if you're, if you're not a Christian this morning, don't be like Pilate. Don't be like Caiaphas. Maybe he did rise. Go look for him. Look for him among his people. Look for him in his word. The first message in his appearances, I have risen. Look for me. Secondly, he was saying, I'm always close by. Expect me. Look at verses 7 through 9. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And when they left the tomb to go to the disciples, what were those ladies thinking? He's in Galilee. He's going to Galilee. Most of these ladies were from Galilee. They would go back to Galilee with the 12, the, with the 11. They would go back to Galilee. They were thinking he's in Galilee. That's what the angel had told them. But suddenly... There he was with them. Now this happened over and over again during that 40-day period. Suddenly he would be there. They came to think, I may not see, but he's always close. What are the last words of Matthew's gospel? What are the last words that, Jesus, that Matthew chose to give us that Jesus spoke? They were words that he spoke. Just before he left, the last words in Matthew, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm sending you geographically to the ends of the earth. But I'll be with you, not only geographically wherever you go, I'll be with you time, I'll be with you to the end of time. I've really risen. Look for me. I'm close by. Expect me. Thirdly, I'm not limited to sanctuaries. I'm not limited to temples. Look for me in the everyday. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Jerusalem was the home of the temple. Jerusalem was where Israel worshipped. Jerusalem was the site of his crucifixion and resurrection. It would be natural for the disciples to have this affinity. For We've got to stay here. We've got to stay close to Jerusalem. And right at the beginning, Jesus said, go to Galilee. Galilee was where they lived. You know, when Jesus came to them in Galilee, what were they doing? Most of the disciples, or many of the disciples, were fishermen. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were not at the synagogue studying. They were not meeting on the mountain to pray. When Jesus met them in Galilee, this momentous event after the resurrection, they were fishing. They were fishing. We need to know that. We have known the presence of Jesus in this place, in our worship, 
We know he's risen. We come to this place every Lord's Day expecting to meet with him, expecting to see him, expecting to hear him. In worship as we sing and confess and pray and give, listen to him, we experience his presence. But what about Monday, going to school, going to work, Tuesday, Wednesday? Do we expect to see Jesus in Monday every day? Someone faxed to me a prayer. It read, Dear Lord, so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy or grumpy or nasty or selfish or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, Lord, I will get out of bed. And from then on, I'll probably need a lot more help. Thank you. Amen. What was the writer of that prayer saying? God, I need you in the every day. I won't make it every day unless you're there. What was Jesus saying? I'm really risen. Look for me. I'm always close by. Expect me. I'm not living, I'm not limited to sanctuaries and the temple and synagogues in Jerusalem. Look for me every day, wherever you are. Fourthly, he was saying, I will be where you are going. Before you get there, look for me when you arrive. Look at verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is interesting. When many of the disciples first met Jesus, they had not been in Galilee, even though they were from Galilee. They had been down in Judea in southern Israel, with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist introduced them to Jesus. And what happened? Some of these disciples, just after they had first met Jesus, walked back to Galilee with Jesus. Jesus lived in Galilee. They all went back to Galilee together. This time, he didn't say, meet me at the Mount of Olives and we'll go back. Galilee together. Tell them to go to Galilee that I, they will meet me there. I will go, and he makes a point of saying, I will go ahead of them. I will go before them. Jesus is always going ahead of us. He always arrives before we do. Her name was Becky Bennett. She had just been in a traffic accident in a, in a tragic accident on a highway in, in South Georgia. She was with her husband and infant daughter. Her husband had instantly died in the crash. Her daughter had, her infant daughter had miraculously survived with no serious injury. The police and rescue units had not yet arrived. This accident had just happened. There were a small group of people that had stopped. They were local people. Becky looked at these total strangers, this small group, and she asked one question as she held her child. Is anyone here a Christian? A young lady in her 
late teens, much younger than Becky, stepped forward and said, I'm a Christian. Becky hugged her, and they cried together. Becky said, I need your help. Will you stay with me for the rest of the day? And that evening, this young girl never left Becky's side, not until her parents arrived, not until Becky's parents arrived. Becky was in the worst moment of her life. And what was the first thing she did? She looked for Jesus. Is anyone here a Christian? And Jesus had that young lady there for Becky. What was Jesus doing? I have really risen. Look for me. I'm always close by. Expect me. I'm not limited to sanctuaries. Look for me in the everyday. I will be where you're going before you get there. Look for me when you arrive. And finally, he said, I'm not limited by time. Tell your great-grandchildren to look for me. We saw it a moment ago, verse 20, the last words of Jesus in Matthew, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age, to the end of time. Why did he say that? He doesn't say to me, he doesn't say to you, I will be with you for the rest of your life. He says, I will be with you to the end of time. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. He says this to the church, I'll be with you to the end of the age. We know here at Christ Presbyterian, he's with this church now. Well, he'll be here 150 years from now. He'll be here 300 years from now. Do we live and pray that way? Jonathan Edwards and his wife, Sarah, prayed for their children, for their grandchildren, to the third and fourth generation. They were ardent about this. They were ardent about, ardent about training their children and about praying for their children, for several generations. Did these, these children in the third and fourth generation, did they know them? No. Did they know their names? No, they had not yet been born. And when they were born, Jonathan and Sarah Edwards would be off in glory. If they knew the promise of Jesus, I'll be with you to the end of the age. In 1900, a researcher named Winship tracked down the 1,400 descendants of the family of Jonathan and Sarah Edwards. By 1900, this godly family had produced 13 college presidents. 65 professors, 10 law, 100 lawyers, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 80 holders of public office, including three United States senators, three mayors of large cities, three governors, three state governors, a vice president of the United States, and a controller of the United States Treasury. 
members of this family had entered the ministry in platoons by the scores. And they sent over a hundred missionaries to the foreign mission field. Think about that. Who do you know that will be here a hundred years from now in April of 2120? We know this. Jesus will be with his people. And I want him to be with my family, whoever that family is. I can tell you if, if I don't look for him, if I don't go find him, if I don't expect him, if I don't look for him in the every day, if I don't expect him to go ahead of me, then I don't think I will be commending my children to look for him. I don't think I'll really be praying for them to the third and fourth generation. However, if I do look for him, if I go seek him, if I do expect him, if I do look for him in the everyday, if I do expect him to go ahead of me and to be there when I arrive, then I think I'll probably be commending my children to him every day. I think I'll be commending him to my children every day. I think I will be praying for my children, for my grandchildren, for my great-grandchildren. Are we telling our children and our grandchildren in our lives and in our prayers, are we telling them, He's risen? Go find Him. He's risen. Go find Him. Amen.